0: You're listening to the official South Bay Church podcast. For more about us, please visit southbaychurch.us. We good? Can you guys hear me? All right. Good morning, everybody. Um, As was just said, I'm DK. um, I'm with my wife, Marissa. We oversee the Next Gen Ministries in Long Beach. And once again, like I said, wait a second. I forgot about this guy right here. There we go. Uh, just, like, uh, just like I said, I want to thank the church um, because I believe that none of this is possible without the church. Today my lesson is titled The Village, right? Because there's that saying that it takes a village to raise a child. It takes a village to raise a young man and a young woman. And I believe that in so many ways that the Coast LA region has been our village Um, For better or for worse, right? The Coast LA region has been our village. And our friends, the relationships that we formed along the way have functioned as our village. So um, I'm just gonna jump into this right now um, and I'm gonna read out of Romans chapter 12. But for a little bit of context, we're gonna go back to Romans 11 and then we're gonna jump into Romans 12. Is that cool with you guys? All right, there we go. Romans chapter 11 says, just as you who were at one time disobedient to God have now received mercy as a result of their disobedience. So too they have now become disobedient in order that they too may now receive mercy as a result of God's mercy to you. Here's the first thing that I wanted to share today. For a little bit of context, Paul's talking about the Gentiles and essentially saying that before the Gentiles were, were a part of God's promise, they were disobedient. But it was Israel's disobedience, God's people's disobedience, that opened the door for the Gentiles to be shown God's mercy. And now, it is Israel's continued disobedience that allows God to continue to show mercy to his people. What is Paul saying? That above all, God is a God of mercy. That our God is a merciful God. That our God is generous, that our God is kind, and that our God gives us good things. And as I think about what what all this represents, because I had some people ask me some questions. They said, hey, DK, congratulations. And the main question that was asked is, well, what does this mean? The second most frequent question that was asked was, does this mean you get a pay raise? (laughs) To that, of course, I answered, mind your business, okay? Just mind your business. But what this means to me is that God is a merciful God, that God loves us, and that God, um, I I looked up what what is the opposite of mercy? What is God not? How do we understand this this word? It says the opposite of mercy is ruthless, that our God is not ruthless. The opposite of mercy is unkind. Our God is not an unkind God. And the opposite of mercy is cruel. That God is not cruel. Instead, we stand here and we say, man, our God is so good. When I think about mercy, I think about my family. My, my brother and sister are somewhere in here. Um, my sister, uh, so it's really cool because I've been in the church for like 12 years. And it's just cool for them to peek in and see what I've been up to for the last decade and a half, right? It's like, oh, this is what you've been doing. That's cool. So I'm really grateful that my brother and sister are here. Mom and dad are at home watching, which is really great. Um, And I think about my family, and I think about God's mercy. I think about the fact that none of us can choose our families. None of us have any role in that. It's a complete roll of the dice, and yet, through my family, I've seen God's mercy. All the mistakes that I've made, all the things that I've done, they can tell you hours and hours of stories about the ridiculous stuff I engaged in. And yet, I see God's mercy through them. See, in many families, um, the parents tell the children, do your best. Do your best in school. Do your best in life. You may not succeed, but do your best. You see, my family, what, they've told, what they told me, and I'll do the accent because people love the accent because that's how they speak. They say, do not do your best be the best <laughs> and so that was that right? I gotta be the best now one can argue did I succeed in that let's I have a sister who, who graduated from Princeton everybody else graduated from UCLA and then I'm the fifth okay I'm the one outside of that group so maybe we you know the, the jury's out okay but I'm just so incredibly grateful for for just who they were and, and all the sacrifice. You got five kids, you're sacrificing all the time. And who they raised me to be and all that they've given me. They are the foundation. They're the pivotal part of the village. And then my wife, then I got married and my wife has an incredible family as well. And now, we've, now I've joined that family as well. And it's so funny because my, my wife's family are the kind of people who, they live two hours away And if you give them a call and say that you need them, they'll be there in like an hour 10 tops, okay? (laughs) Hour 10 tops. You know what I'm talking about. That's just the kind of people they are, completely devoted to their own. And man, I, I can just, I see that even from the very beginning of this whole entire thing, how much God's mercy is in play. Now, with that mercy in mind, Let's go to Romans 12. Nope, not working. There we go. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So in view of this mercy, in view of knowing that our God is not cruel, that as my wife said, that God allows the the boundary lines to fall in pleasant places, what do we do as his people? The scriptures say that we offer our bodies as living sacrifices. That we continue, and and it says bodies, but, but, but really what this word means is our beings. We offer all of ourselves to God. We offer who we are to God. That this is your true and proper worship of God. I just went to a concert last week with my brother. And when the performer does well, you yell their name over and over and over. And it's almost, it honestly felt a little too close to worship, to be honest with you, right? We're just, yeah, go, we love you, yeah, yeah, whatever, right? But for God, it's our offering of ourselves each and every day. That is our worship of God. And I want to say thank you to all of us in this room at varying times and places who have offered yourselves in every way to God, who have not held back from God. You know, it says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. A lot of times we look at that and we say, we the church got it, the world doesn't have it, and they need to get out of here because we're not gonna be like the world. But I think what this passage is saying is that there is the way of God called the kingdom, and then there's the other way. Sometimes we find the way of God in the church and we glorify God for that. I shared last week about my neighbor who is not really a believer in God at all. His name's Pablo. And he's the best neighbor I've ever had in my entire life. He always comes over with some delicious food that he barbecued. He always comes over. He helps me fix my dryer. He changes the oil of my car. And he does it for absolutely no reason. And he wants no thanks whatsoever. I would say that he's not conforming to the pattern of the world. Right? And unfortunately, sometimes the patterns of the world, they creep into the church, right? The lines aren't so clear all the time. You know what I'm saying? But I want to thank everybody who've said, I'm not going to conform. I'm going to embody the kingdom. I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to protect the weak. I'm going to honor God in everything that I do. Because as I'm a witness to standing here, the impact is amazing. You never know who's watching. and You never know the impact you're making on people who are on looking. I'll give you a random example. When I was like 20 years old, um, this is, um, I guess 10 years ago now, um, there's a sister in South Bay, her name is Tisha Martin. Okay? So one day I was in South Bay and I was walking around and then Tisha comes up to me, I don't think I really knew her, but she's like, hey, so do you have any students who don't have anywhere to go for Thanksgiving? It was around Thanksgiving time, obviously, and I'm like, I mean, you know, there's, there's someone in our ministry whose family is, like, a, a, a 24-hour flight away. They're not going to have Thanksgiving. There's another person who's, whose mother recently passed. That's not going to be a really um, awesome Thanksgiving for that person. And she said, bring them all to my house. Just bring them all to my house. And so I drove them all to her house, and it was such an awesome Thanksgiving. She didn't ask for anything in return. I still don't know why she did that. So I should ask her, it's been 10 years now, right? (laughs) But that's what we're talking about by not conforming to the pattern of the world, which says, just take care of your own and forget everybody else. Who cares about the needs? And once again, sometimes it's in these walls, sometimes it's not, but I'm grateful for all the times that this group has said, we're not gonna conform. There was another month, it was even earlier than that, when I became a disciple, I moved out of my house, so I had no clue about anything. Never paid a bill before, never worked a job before, never did anything before. And as you can imagine, in like five months, I was completely out of money, right? Didn't have a budget, did not know any of this, right? Completely out of money. And I walk up to Vince Robertson, meet in his house, because he, he lived right down the street from where I went to school. And I said, Vince, I'm out of money, man. And Vince just wrote me a check. Handed to me, and 12 years later, he's never spoken a word about it. That's taking care of people. That's not conforming to the pattern of the world. And so once again, thank you, Coastal LA region. Thank you, all of you individuals who embodied that inside the church, but embody that in all different ways outside the congregation that I'll never know about. Because our desire and our ability to not conform, our ability to live And embody God's kingdom is how we are transformed. It's how our minds are transformed. It's how our hearts are transformed. It's not just by reading. It's not just by praying. It's not just by gaining more knowledge. It's by continuing to embody the kingdom of God. And that's how we're able to see what God is up to and follow what God is up to. Let's keep going. Verse 3. It says, For for by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourselves with sober judgment in according with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many... Every single part of the body is different. And no two people have the same exact set of gifts. And here's the thing. When you're in a, in a church, in a place, in a context where everybody is different than each other, what happens is that sometimes you may feel outcast. Sometimes you may feel tired of continuing to use your gifts. Sometimes you may feel like, man, this is over for me. I do not, I do not like this our differences have become animosity. Raise your hand if you've ever felt absolutely crazy in the church. Absolutely crazy. Like, what in the world is happening? Am I? Is this still the church? Yep. I'm talking about those moments. Been a few, right? And yet God says that he gives us those gifts. And he charges us to use those gifts. And I have, as I talk about the village, I think of all the people, some of them are here, some of them are not, who have been my own personal village, mine and Maui's personal village over the last, it's been 12 years now. I got some pictures for you guys. This is this is a snapshot of who our village is. When it says prophecy, I'm not here to tell you that this person is a prophet, okay? I'm not here to do that. That would be wrong. But one of the first people to ever believe in me was was Steve Stevenson. And he said, Whatever you want to do, you can do it. And I'll never forget that. And then after Steve left, Greg just always believed in me. Even when I fell on my face and looked like a dummy, he challenged me and then said, I still believe in you. And I'll be forever grateful for that. He's no prophet now, okay? He's no prophet. But I'm grateful for that. It says if your gift is to serve, then to serve. And I don't know anybody who's, who has served us more than Brenton and Zyra Takeda. Just no one. Once again, in those moments when I thought that it was all downhill for me, they came, they, they bought us food, they gave us hugs, and they served us. Even though they had a little kid on the side and they were doing everything, they always took the time to serve us. And I thank you, Brett and Zire, for, for, not, for, for continuing to be transformed my God. Last December, I finished my master's program, as, as, as Ruben mentioned, and as they talk about teaching, I'm so grateful that that Rochester program was willing to teach me. That was at a point in my ministry life where I had no clue what to do next. All my tricks, everything I had learned, I, I had ran out of them about two, three years ago, and I was like, what do you do now? And at that time, that that Rochester program taught me a different way to look at God, a different way to look at the world around me. They became uh, that whole cohort. The teachers became our village for those two years, and still now, honestly, we we uh, we uh, talk about encouraging. Is that next? Yeah, talking about encouraging, and I'm telling you, at the times where we were the weakest, we would we would put Emory in the car. We would get in the car, and we'd drive 90 minutes to wherever, Winchester, Temecula, wherever you call that area, and just be with the Newmans. We did this every time. One time during the pandemic, we just said, hey, you want to go to Vegas? And we just drove to Vegas on on a whim just to be with our friends, the Newmans. And they have encouraged us constantly. There have been some of the people who've told us, you are not crazy. You got this. They have given us strength when we were weak. We would walk in and Sam, Sam is holding a drink in that picture not by accident because he would always pour me the good stuff when I came over, okay? <laughs> that was Sam. Sylvia's always making something delicious. Mike and Laurel are always there to give us books and wisdom and all the different things that they gave us. And encouragement just oozed all throughout those times together. The Burton's Amir, who's here and Jewel, who's not, but who's hopefully watching. Man, Jewel is the best person in the world to tell you you're not crazy. When when Jewel says you're not crazy, you really believe you're not crazy, okay? You ain't crazy. She said it. I ain't crazy. They're crazy. And Amir always told me, hey, never give up. Never give up. Every time we hung out with Jewel and Amir, they gave us strength and they gave us encouragement. It talks about giving, and our friends, the Plymels, are not here. They're in Colorado watching this. But per capita, no one's given us more than the the Plymels. I was looking back. Actually, Greg sent me a picture of my baptism yesterday. And I'm looking at my baptism, and who's there in the front row wearing a suit, all black hair? That's my boy, Brian Plymel, okay? I was like, that's my boy. He's been there since the very, very beginning. The first phone call that that, that the church had me make when I didn't know what to do with my family situation. They said, here's this guy named Brian. He's the best guy we know. Call him and do exactly what he says. And I'm like, all right, hey, Brian. And he was as kind to me then, he was in the front row of my baptism then, and he's never left the front row of just supporting Maui and I. Karen is just, man, the best food. She's probably spent half a million dollars on food for us, okay? (laughs) It's been a long time and a lot of meals. And once again, nobody has given us more, more encouragement, more advice, more food, more none of it, than the Plymouths. When it says lead, my friend Kenny Zuchuku has just inspired my leadership more than anybody else over the last couple years. What he is doing, what he was doing, leading his group inspired me. And he has the perfect balance of telling me I'm crazy when I am crazy but encouraging me and loving me when when, when that's what I need. And he's just one of the best friends that I have, and he has shown me and charted a course and encouraged me how to lead other people. Lastly, when we talk about showing mercy, I think about our elders, the Matthews. During that time in my life when the Matthews moved here, I wasn't doing that well with my family. And And the Matthews just stepped right in. Once again, I I mentored Sam, and that was allegedly why I was there. But they gave me more than I ever gave Sam. Because they're merciful. Because they said it's going to be okay. Because they didn't treat me as my sins deserved. And you know what? Each and every one of these people that I mentioned that's my village. All they've done is just use the gifts that God has given them. And Maui and I have been recipients of that. And here's the cool thing about that, that God gives each and every one of us gifts. I could could go on with 30 more people about all the times you guys have used your gifts in incredible ways. Once again, both inside the church with someone like me, but outside the church, more importantly, with the communities around us. And Paul says, if you have a gift, which you do, then use it, then use it. You may think your gift is small. You may not be a singer who's just on stage making it happen. You may not be large and buff and awesome like Steve. Not many of us are, okay? We've, some of us have tried and failed, okay? We, yeah, do what you can, exactly, Zoe, right? And yet, we all have a gift. And when we use our gifts, it transforms the body of Christ. It transforms the community around us, big or small. My boy Earl, every year on my birthday, made me a birthday cake. He's the most encouraging guy I, that, that, that there is. And Earl was just using his gift. That's all he does. Earl's a quiet guy, at least in, in public. In private, Earl, 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 man. He can be a little mean sometimes, okay? Earl has jokes, okay, in private. I don't even know if Earl's here or not, but just using your gift in little ways, it changes the world around us. And I want to thank all of us who've stayed faithful to using our gifts even when it wasn't working out for you, even when it wasn't looking like the time for you, even if you figured that your gift is small or not consequential, Thank you for using your gifts. Because, see, the village is what, is what raises up the individuals within it. I thank the village that I can be an evangelist today. I thank the village that my wife can be a women's ministry leader today. Thank you. There is uh, something that we learned in our program is about um, a woman named St. Therese. St. Therese was a French nun in the 1800s. St. Therese died at the age of 24 because she had tuberculosis. Now, if people are talking about you 130 years later, and you died at 24, you must have done something incredible. But here's the thing about St. Therese. St. Therese looked at herself and compared herself to all the other nuns, and she said, I'm not as fun as that nun. That nun is really spiritual. That nun always gets up way earlier than me. That nun, all the other nuns want to be around that nun. And then there's me. I don't have anything big to offer to God. And so she died. And, and, and what was said about her is that she was just unspectacular. She was just, you know, whatever. And then they read her private journals. The things she would write to God. And in them they found this incredible whole new uh, world with this woman and she called what she and they and they called what she was doing the little way all right and what she would write about is the idea that even though you cannot be that person that person that person that person or that person you can offer God the little you have you can be the little that you have and that God will do all the rest this is a quote from her in her journal You make me think of a little child that is learning to stand but does not yet know how to walk. In his desire to reach the top of the stairs and to find his mother, he lifts his little foot to climb the first step. It is all in vain, and at each renewed effort, he fails or he falls. Well, be like that little child. Always keep lifting your foot to climb the ladder of holiness. And do not imagine that you cannot mount or do not imagine that you can mount even the first step. All God asks of you is goodwill. From the top of the ladder, he looks lovingly upon you and soon touched by your fruitless efforts, he himself comes down and taking you in his arms will carry you to his kingdom. Never again to leave him. But should you cease to raise your foot, you'll be left for long on the earth. What she taught, what she wrote about, is that it doesn't matter who we're not. It doesn't matter if we don't think our efforts are worth it to God. It doesn't matter if our gifts are something that we consider small, something that we consider insignificant. But that as long as we're willing to take a step, God does all the step taking anyway. As long as we're willing to try, that God swoops us up and that God takes care of us. The scriptures say that God stoops down to make us great. Right? And I want to encourage all of you who have used your gifts, once again, inside the church and outside. And I want to thank, and I want to encourage all of us who maybe feel like. I don't don't really think I have anything to offer. I don't really think that what I do is really important. I want to encourage you that if your gift is to serve, then do it diligently. If your gift is to lead, then do it with the measure of grace given to you. But just take a step and let God carry us from the bottom of that staircase into his arms. Amen? Amen. Last part of this I'll read. Verse 9, Paul paints the picture of what a society, of what a church, of what a group looks like that says I'm not gonna, I am not going to conform. Instead, I am going to embody the kingdom of God. What does that look like? What does that produce? It says love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal. But keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need, practice, hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will keep burning coals on their head. Do not be overcome by evil but overcome evil with good. This is what a community looks like. And, and once again, you can only do this as a community because nobody has all these gifts and talents. It takes a community together, embodying the kingdom of God, not letting all the mentalities of, of, of the world, the empire mentality, all those different things creep in, And saying, you know what, I'm going to continue to renew myself every day. And I'm going to use the little or the big or the medium size, whatever God's given me, I'm going to use it each and every day. What does that produce? It produces a love that is sincere. It produces a hatred of what is evil. It produces devotion. It produces hospitality. It produces the ability to overcome evil with good. Brothers and sisters... I'll say it for the final time, thank you for all of you who've who've decided to continue to serve God, who've decided to continue to use your gifts. And I want to encourage us to never give up, to never stop, to continue to use our gifts. Thank you for, for raising myself up, for raising my wife up, for raising our family, for how much you guys have all loved us. And I want us to remember not to be overcome by, by, by evil, not to be overcome by the mess that happens every so often, every, every six to eight weeks if you're me, not to be overcome by all that. Because as we transition into our communion, Jesus overcame all of that. He overcame evil and turned into good. He, he turned a situation that was abjectly horrible into something that we're all still talking about today. He is the embodiment of the kingdom and the embodiment of not being overcome by evil and instead overcoming evil with good. So as I pray, I want us to meditate on Jesus. I want us to meditate on our Savior and how he overcame so much in our lives and so much in the world around us. Let's go ahead and pray. Father God, thank you. Thank you for all that you do. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you that, that you are not ruthless and that you are not cutthroat, that you do not pay us what our sins deserve. Instead, that, that you are merciful. Instead, that you, that you give grace. God, help us to remember that, God, as we go about our days, God. Help us to remember who you are. Even when the people around us are acting crazy, God, help us to remember, remember who you are. God, thank you so much for your son. Thank you that he was not overcome, even when it looked like he was overcome. But rather, he triumphed over death. God, help us to remember that as we go about our days and we go about our weeks. Thank you so much, Father. We love you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the South Bay Church Podcast. For other sermons, videos, upcoming events, and more about our church, please visit southbaychurch.us